please listen carefully. And welcome back to the Focus Target Podcast. This is your host, Smiley, coming at you with Season 3, Episode 87 of Focus Target. I am joined today by my co-hosts, Shy and Van. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Howdy-ho. How are things where you be? Warm. It's getting hot quickly down here in Southern California. I bet it's it is. It's out of control. Oh, man. I bet it is. It's very nice yeah. here. What is it? Right now it's like 85. I think we're in like the low 70s. Oh my god, I wish. It's kind of cool here. I think it's in the 50s or 60s is how it feels. It's uh, It's been re- really rainy in Colorado, which is kind of not unusual for this time of year, but it's like a window of like two months where we get rain and that's it. So I'm enjoying that. I like the rain. It's nice for my yard. All right. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about skill in gaming we actually kind of referenced it a little bit last time on the pod we we talked a little bit about you know what does it what does it mean to be good at video games and how does your competency or your skill at games um factor into your play styles and the people you meet and how you treat people online and things like that so we're gonna dive into that and uh kind of give our thoughts on that kind of thing before we do that we have a question of the day um you know last time we we were talking about kind of what games we were playing and one thing that came up was um you know trying to finish games uh and you know we 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 have all had some levels of different levels of success with getting actually through to the end of a game and so the question today kind of harkens back to that which is um which game have you spent the most time trying to finish but have never actually gotten to the end of um and maybe you kind of tie you know tying in with that if it's not the one you've spent the most time on maybe secondarily which game have you most wanted to finish that you never have you know if there's one game you could go back and really try to get to the end of which one would it be if if, if, if that's a different answer uh so let's start with uh shy today shy what game have you spent the most time trying to finish but um it's thwarted you yeah i think it's hard for me to like i don't have a definitive answer i think there's a number of rpgs specifically that i could point to um so i think i will give an answer to each of those um because both would probably fit into the first one but as far as a game that stands out that i've put a lot of time into and we're finished is a game by uh, square enix it's not as popular as some of their other jrpgs but a game called last remnant when it launched it was xbox 360 exclusive it was uh it was a squad-based JRPG that had, like, a very funky combat system. Um, sounds like it. Very interesting game. A game I always really like. Um, but just really one of those games where it just started dragging out at the end. Um, mm. And just kind of got slow. Um, and so I've, I've tried playing through that game two or three times. I think putting, you know, 30 to 40 hours at least into each playthrough. And I've never finished it. Uh, but as far as your second one, another one is Mass Effect 2. Uh, Mass Effect 1 oh, is one of my you favorite. You never finished Mass Effect 2? No, Mass Effect 1 is one of my oh. favorite RPGs. But if not, if not my, it's not my favorite game. Ninja Gaiden would be there. But uh, definitely top three. Mass, the first Mass Effect's top three game of all time for me. And I played that game multiple times. But 2, I just, it's, it's so different. They took a lot of the like traditional RPG elements away from Mass Effect 1 and made it much more of like an action third-person cover shooter. Um and so I've tried playing through that game two or three times, and I've never finished. But I know they're releasing the like remaster trilogy. I think this month actually, end of this month, I think is when it's coming out. And uh, I've, I've always wanted to play through the trilogy, but I've never wanted to skip two and go right to three. Um, and so that's a game I hope I am able to play through at some point. So it's <clears throat> it's not one of your four re rolls in Horizon Zero Dawn. No, I'd never got... I think the farthest I ever got in Horizon Zero Dawn was maybe 20 hours in. And I think then maybe, like, there was, like, a 10-hour attempt and maybe a... Yeah. Yeah. All right, what about you, Van? So, I was... I was pretty certain this was going to be kind of a boring answer because it was the same one that I gave last week, which was Breath of the Wild. I think I had some, like, 60 Mm -hmm. hours or something like that. But then I went back and started reflecting. I was like, you know what? It's not Breath of the Wild. It's actually GTA V. So, Grand Theft Auto V. So I have gotten, so I'd done two playthroughs. The first playthrough, I literally went all the way to what I can only imagine is the absolute last mission because based on the type of mission it is, it has to be the last one. So I know it's certainly the last mission and yet I didn't finish it. So clearly I have a, I have a 
a mental issue with with completing games like i don't Look, want to lose it yeah exactly to, to 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 the experience ending so it's a solid 50 hour playthrough i mean it, it varies i mean there's so much to do in grand theft auto right if you want to mess around with the cars and complete races and side quests and all that stuff so the game could vary anywhere from i'm guessing probably 40 hours to 100 plus hours but my first playthrough was like roughly 50 i think it was like 49 hours played through it once played through it a second time because I didn't want to just pick up on the last mission because why would we do that even though it sounds like a great idea once we talked about it last week I'll probably do that going forward but um, instead of just picking off on the last mission and, and cheapingly finishing the last mission after a year and a half of not touching the controller I decided to do a playthrough again so I did that accumulated a nice 30 40 more hours and then stopped playing again so it's like I'm probably 90 hours into that game um, and have not beat the final mission. However, I have played a lot of online too. That time was not factored into that because it saves, you know, um, by your by your save data. Yeah, by your by your actual one you're on. But um, that's what keeps pulling me away. Is like my buddy will hit me up and be like, "Hey, CKY12, a friend of the podcast, would say, hey, let's um, you know, let's let's go do some stuff on GTA Online or whatnot." So then I'll just get pulled away, and then every time I'm playing, we'll just end up doing that instead of playing the campaign. So, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, that's. GTA 5 was a good game. I didn't put nearly as much time as you did. I think I got, I mean, I don't know how far into it I got, but I got, I got pretty substantially far. Like I, I spent a lot of time with all the characters. I think I'd, I'd, I'd been around a lot of the map. So I was probably, I was probably later half, but I definitely didn't finish all the story, the, all the quests. The characters uh, are so good, dude. They're really funny. Yeah. I liked yeah. them. I it's did. a masterpiece for sure. It's, it's very, well, I mean, that's why it's been released on what, like, PS3 and 4 and 5 yeah. and I mean, what probably be on PS3. Six years ago? Yeah, it's Something like the freaking it's like the freaking uh, what's that Elder Scrolls Skyrim? Game? It's like, yeah, Skyrim. it's comparable to Skyrim. It's like Skyrim, oh, where they, where they no. just keep releasing yeah. it for every new system and don't give us like GTA 6. September 17, 2013. So it's an 8 year yeah. old game. Man. I was going to say, I, I, I think I got it for PS4. I think I but I think it was also one of the most expensive games to produce ever. That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I Sorry. think it was one of the most um, most expensive games ever to make to the tune of $265 million. Nice. A quarter of a billion dollars? That just sounds unfathomable. It takes a lot of confidence to put that kind of money into a video game. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, it's been paying off for eight years, and they're saying yeah. that that online, and that's the whole reason why GTA Six doesn't have a lot of pressure to come out, is because, like, the online community is still huge, and the game's still getting played a lot, and there's you know microtransactions yeah. in the online community. They said, no, man, we're we're still making a lot of money. Yeah, and if you're making money, why stop a good thing? Well, they did Red Dead Redemption too, so I mean, you know, yeah, they, they kind of did like a, yep. they did another open world, you know, after it. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's right. nice. They could have just maddenized it too with the online portion, right? Sold a brand new mm. game that's basically a slight increase here and there, and made you buy a new thing to keep your online community going. And they did not, so that's cool. I checked. I do have it on PS3. Oh, nice three. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, so yeah, um, I guess I'll put that up. As that's why you stopped putting time play. into it. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, no, I mean, possibly. I mean, I just it was You're a like, long time. I don't want to plug in my PS3. Dude. That is two generations yeah. old. Yeah, That's it's it's insane. Um, all right, well, mine. Uh, I don't know if mine technically counts. You guys can tell me if if mine counts. So, the game I was gonna pick was Lunar Two: Eternal Blue, and I have beaten the primary game. I've seen the the ending, but I haven't ever gone the extra mile and done all the optional dungeons to see the special ending at the mm -hmm. end, and so one of the reasons that I have so many is it's somewhat similar to Van. So Lunar 2 is a direct sequel to Lunar 1, the Silver Star story, which I is one of my top, top rated games ever. I love that game. I love to go back through and play through it. And so I play through it and like, that's a, a, you know, a 60, 70 hour game in and of itself. And so I play all the way through that. And then of course I want to roll right into Lunar 2 Eternal Blue. And so like, I'm already 70 hours deep into a Lunar game when I start. And then it's another 70 or 80 hours to get through Lunar 2. And then the end game is just very, like, the dungeons are just really grindy. Like, the enemies have a shit ton of life, and they take forever to kill. 
and the bosses are hard and like you do get some cool stuff like cool items and accessories down there like it's it's cool but like it just is a real grind and so like by the time you're done with back-to-back games that are that long like i just i keep trying and like i've gone and like watched i've seen the ending like i went and watched it just for because i wanted to see the story um one time when i was like i'm not doing all this you know, to, to see the special ending. I'm just going to watch it online. So I've seen it, but I've never actually gotten there. I've never actually crossed the finish line of that game, which is a real shame because I, I love the Lunar series. So um, that's definitely the game I've put the most time into without having officially finished. Um, the second game, I would say, the second part of that question, which game do I wish I would have given more time? Shy, you'll approve of this one. It's um, Battle Chasers. Yeah. Night War, like that game is so cool, and every time I play it, I'm like, oh man, like it does so many things that I love in an RPG. I, like so many things that I would want to put in my own RPG, as far as like the just the way they have like the completion and like the um, the stats and the you know kill X number of enemies. Like every time you kill an enemy, like if you hit thresholds, you learn more about them and you get bonuses for. Like I love that. Like it's a great feedback loop, and for whatever reason, I have struggled to actually keep making progress in it. I don't know why. Even when I go back to it, I play it and I like it, but it just doesn't hold my interest well enough. So um You have a lot of games. I don't know. You have I a have lot a of lot games. I have too many games, yeah. I've been recently a... Go ahead. Yeah, go no no no. Please. Please I was say I wonder if there's a, a podcast where in here somewhere about playing a game for story or playing the game for like enjoyment of of playability. Like we already do that. I feel like we've podcast. done something like oh, that. Like why do you play games? games? I think we've done oh, yeah. covered that. Well, certain we extent. can do it again. Maybe yeah. things will change. Yeah. I don't know. Enough time passes. You know, we can approach it from a different angle. We'll look into that because that's 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 a fair point. I talk about that again. Speaking of battle chasers, like most anticipated sequel, like that probably win my award. Like I can't. I'm just. I keep waiting. I go to their site occasionally to seeing. No, I'm just now, waiting for right? them to announce the battle chasers too. But just no. I'm also my son has been pressuring me to finish Octopath Traveler on mm-hmm. Switch, so uh, and that's a good game. It's it's a little it slows down a little bit. Uh, it's it's a little it's you feel I feel I'm feeling the grind on it, um, but you know I want to do right by him. He wants to do I guess there's an Octopath randomizer out there that he wants me to try with him. So uh, I was like okay I'll, you know I'm gonna take my Switch on my on my uh, trip, and so I've been trying to get back into it and make some progress on Octopath to try to to try to finish that because i'm only about halfway through that game but that was a good that was a solid game too i really did like that one how does the randomizer work for octopath is there a switch emulator on pc or like is that downloadable on switch well i don't know if it actually works on the switch um he's got it on pc he he got through steam and so it's a oh yeah they have a steam yeah they all right yeah i forgot that he said he 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 read that there was a way to do it on the switch but i'm like "Mm, i don't know if i'm gonna go in and tinker with my yeah, like, Nintendo it, likes to lock down people yeah. mess with their switch profiles yeah, and things like exactly. that exactly and it's like on a computer I can make up a backup of the game files or re-download easily if I'm, I'm working off a cartridge on my switch I'm probably not gonna tinker around with it but you know I mean maybe I just buy it on Steam like it'll probably go on sale yeah, yeah. I'll probably get it for 20 bucks at some point and, and between the now and when I finish it so smiley I bet but, I bet you go to your old park and find that gentleman named Rags. I bet he can uh, modify switches. Uh, Probably a skill set he has. We're not going to go into Rags <laughs> on this podcast. Um, <laughs> that's it's too Was deep. That of federal? That's yeah, federal, federal, and uh, federal, and wherever else you guys were, Broadway and federal. Anyway, <clears throat> all right. So, if you, our listeners, have games, we'd love to hear from you. What games have you guys been? trying to finish for the last five years and never gotten around to uh drop us a line we'll have our contact information at the end of the show we'd love to get some feedback from you all right let's talk about skill skills um you know like let's just start off the top like what does it mean to be good at video games like that's you know like for something that people play for so many different reasons there's obviously the competitive landscape where esports has actually become a legitimate thing versus people like you know when you're playing online games everybody's kind of at a different stage in life has different reasons for playing like how do you measure something like that like what does it mean to you what does it mean to be good at video games um is it more to you about technical prowess or is it more about 
how how well you play with others. Like, there's a lot of things that go into that. So let's just talk about that a little bit. I'm going to start with Van we can this even, time. Yeah, I was going to say, we can even talk as far as, like, FPSs, right? There's, like, cheese weapons that people are like, oh, you mm-hmm. continually use that weapon because it's OP or whatnot. Like, can you be good at an OP or because you use an OP weapon, does that make you good because your KD is high? Like, there's some questions there. I don't want to answer those right now, but I do want to back it up to what does it mean to be good in a video game? And I think that really starts in the early generations of video game development, where in the very beginning, it was just accomplishing a task, right? You had Pong or whatnot, and you knew what you were supposed to do. But right at, like, very soon after that, when arcades started popping up and becoming, you know, pretty, um, um, like, pretty like one of the things that I know developers did to get people to continue to come back and play their game was add a scoring system. And you can literally measure by numerical value how quote unquote good you were at a video game based on your score, right? So how many monsters did you kill throughout the level? Did you have the high score on X, Y, Z? And it started like that, like you're talking about, it started that competition where you'd go back and see, hey, am I knocked off that top score yet or not? Or somebody does knock you out, you jump back in. So I think it was easily measured then. But even then, I wonder if there's some controversy between a skilled player and somebody who can get high points. Mm-hmm. And they sound like the same, but they're really not, right? Like, not would it mean, yeah, would it mean to be skilled to speed run Mario Brothers? Because I've seen some insane speed runs of Mario Brothers. That person's certainly not killing every mob. Right, so they're going to have a lower score at the end of the at the end of the game, as opposed to somebody who sits there, takes their time, kills every mob, and seems less skilled than the other person who had to have just absolute split second precision timing while trying to traverse the level. So I don't know. I guess I I I, I um like a good politician answered your question with another question. Well, it's it's interesting too because they, you know, it's kind of developed. I mean, what's the natural progression of the scoring system? I think is now achievements in game like that's kind of the new a similar like kind of a, a genesis of that right that the the scoring led to now achievements being another way you can mark your progress you can compare to other people but as we've seen with achievements there's a lot of different types of ga- achievements in games and some games the achievements are easier than others some like are very very difficult others are really not that difficult but take a ridiculous amount of time um and so it's like you know i guess that's another question is yeah. does um, it just because something is hard from a it takes a lot of in time investment does that make it difficult is that you know yeah. like is that a skill are you skilled because you grinded out you know the entire um sphere grid on final fantasy 10 like they want you to or do you just not have a life and so you can spend 100 hours doing something like that like you know and how does that how's that you know how do you how do you interpret that how do you um compare that what do you think shy well you can even almost uh when you get into that whole like time spent you can almost then get into the subcultures that pop up in these lots especially these grindy games whether they're mmos or even jrpgs where like people find the best ways to like maximize their time you know like what are the best places to go to grind exp to max your sphere grid you know it's like doing arena with these like arts with these characters or whatever um and so like there's that like subset i, I have a couple points want to hit i'll do one right now i don't know if we're gonna if okay. we kind of do a round robin but uh one thing i want to mention too is like memorization like you talk about some of those old arcade games like a lot of it was just maybe just grinding until you had memorized a layout and like let's say you were playing one of the original ninja guidance or you're playing ghost and goblin and like it was just pattern recognition and it was like and memorization and so you know is that skill or is that just time sunk and i'm obviously some people can sink the same amount of time and one person will pick it up faster and there is some skill there but you know versus you know, playing a game that maybe is more randomized or completely randomized to a certain extent. Um, you know, nowadays roguelites, that's the whole point of, of that style of game, right? Is it's a completely random experience whenever you load the game up. Um, and it really kind of tests you to figure, you know, to try something new and unexpected. Yeah. Well, I mean, there is, you know, thinking back, especially like the old, um, arcade games and Nintendo games that were very much pattern recognition. There's also the side of it that was like, you you do have to understand the pattern and that's how you beat it but you also have to have the technical dexterity mm-hmm. to enact that like you have to be able to you know i mean it no different than final fantasy 14 boss fights right like you have to identify what you have to do but then you actually have to execute it repeatedly often mm-hmm. until you until you succeed and so 
um, there's definitely that side of the skill. Like the like the probably that's what I think most people would most uh, think of when they think of skill in a video game. Right? Is how well you execute what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And like to your point, there's a lot of things that go into that, and some of them are about pattern recognition, and some of them about just critical thinking and being able to make different choices. But in the end, you always have to execute. Right. Well, let me, I guess my second point actually bleeds into that. So let me just bring it up and I'll toss it back to you guys and your thoughts. But I think the ultimate example of pattern recognition versus critical thinking is PVE versus PVP. So something like, um, like you said, 14, where maybe it's the same fight in the same order. It's just a matter of getting it down versus, a, you know, a, a PVP shooter or like fighting game where like, you don't know what the other person is going to do potentially. Right. And it's like reacting. Like, do you, would you guys say there's a better example maybe like now of like, um, maybe like skill differential when you get into those kind of like kind of that comparison of, of like PVE versus PVP games. Yeah, I think so. I, I completely think like the first, the first game that came to mind was LOL. Like I didn't play a lot of it, but certainly um, you have to adapt, right? So you, and I think your skill possibly comes in knowledge of everyone's abilities and the roles that they play within a unit. So maybe maybe knowledge plays a role in your skill so that you can make those quick decisions. Then you also have to make the right decision too, right? So you don't just have to know what it is. You have to like Smiley mentioned executing. So I think we're we're kind of hovering around something here. I, I don't think we can ever pinpoint it exactly, but it certainly seems like having the mental capacity to make the right choice in the moment is some way of defining skill within a video game. Right. Yeah, I mean, in all like the best games marry the two, right? I mean, think of any first person shooter that that you play, like obviously your reflexes and your ability yeah. to aim all that. That's the obvious stuff, but we all know that like map recognition and knowing yeah, where things are on the map, where, where are the good locations, where are the good power-ups, where are the good yep. places to be? Where do people spawn? Where do they not go right. that much? You know, like that is, is part of the game and that's what differentiates you where you can be good just because you have quick reflexes and that can get you far. But, but when you take that and add it to somebody who really understands all the little things about it. and no different from lol right like lol it's all like you're right it's all about knowing the characters and their abilities but it's also about knowing the map knowing how the battle flows and where you are as far as where the creeps are pushing where the jungler are where we expect everybody's role to be at any point in the game like there's that metadata that people who can incorporate that in addition to their their skill um and really again like you can see like the step by step like back in the day in the early day of video games it was a lot more simple. It was pattern recognition, execute on that pattern. And like those things are still there. They're just a little bit more complex, right? And I think you bring so up a lull. Oh, no, sorry. I was gonna say, a real quick comment. It sounds like we need procedurally generated maps in FPS. That would be something. That would be something, yeah. yeah. I mean, if, if you took that, I mean, what it would do is it would remove one, it would kind of just disadvantage Campers, players the... who are yeah, like it would make it more about your your actual dexterity and your right. agility in Reflex. the game. Like, yeah, yeah. The, the better players as far as who's the best at shooting and dodging, right, and using your character abilities, it takes away a level of an advantage for a certain type of gamer, yeah. really. Right? And, and procedure generates probably the wrong term. I, I think it would more mm -hmm. be randomized maps. Well, because you're That's not going to generate it as you traverse it. Like it would, it would in theory exist. Procedurally generated, yeah. Procedurally generated. I think you're confusing that with something. Else. Procedurally generated means that it uses an algorithm to determine something. It doesn't necessarily mean it's loading. You were right. In of itself, yeah. it just means that, like, but, yeah, I know. I just, I just felt like it wasn't exactly what I meant because when I think um, of procedural generation, I think of Minecraft as seated. the world yeah. develops in front of you. Whereas I don't expect that for this game. I expect the map to be randomized in the beginning and everybody loads into it instantaneously. We're getting into semantics. So yes, it was a, it was a fine example. I just felt like I needed to clarify a little more. It's, it's, well, it's funny because I, well, I think what you said was a hundred percent correct. Yeah. And you thought what but you we don't think need to, procedurally yeah. generation mean, wait, yeah. Yeah. You were right, but now you're <laughs> you, correcting yourself into a, an erroneous, yes, erroneous explanation. Right. Oh, okay. so, all right. You, um, you, thought wrong. you spoke to, correctly. To get us back on track though. Like I think uh, one, one last thing we could, I think, I think Van's right. I think there's one component missing though. We haven't really talked about, and I think you touched on it early on smiley. And I think Van mentioning lol was perfect. Cause like league of legends is honestly a great example. You have the knowledge, you have the reaction speed you have like 
the critical thinking, but also there's the communication. And I think like that's more and more nowadays. Communication actually also can make you skilled. And like honestly, if you're playing a cooperative, wait, wait, if you're playing a cooperative game, it's almost necessary. Like in League of Legends, you could have like the best player on your team, but if you guys aren't communicating, like they could just be sitting out there doing nothing potentially, or get ganked by the whole other team and get destroyed because no one's letting them know what's going on. Um, so I think that's like still a that's a key component in the whole formula. Yeah, and, well, that, and this isn't oh. a shocker at all, but every single one of the best squads I've ever played in, in, in FPS have communicated, right? Like, whether it's Planet Side or Battlefield or whatnot, when you're in a squad, good communication was the key to, to our success. And some well, stuff. even when we started playing League of Legends early on, like, it was a differentiator for us in the lower ranks when we were communicating and we were playing against people who were just not you know like you you knew that you could tell the difference yeah. and then once we got a little bit higher and we were playing against other people who also communicated well is when when that advantage dropped off i think it was very <laughs> <noticeable>. yep <laughs> but that rolls right in i mean i think that communication is a great segue into our next point which is is about how skill affects your relationships so what actually brought this entire podcast up i think is we were kind of just talking about isn't is our friendship to a degree based on our on our skill at final fantasy 11 um one thing that we kind of noticed is that you know part of what brought us together was the fact that final fantasy 11 was such a game a game that required so much teamwork like you literally could not especially early on in that game that you know now it's a lot different but you know in, in the early days you couldn't accomplish anything really by yourself you know certain specialized classes maybe could but for the most part you needed a team and it took a long time to do anything and so partying with people who were competent and communicated well and weren't jackasses really made the gaming experience much more enjoyable and you just accomplished so much more and so that's kind of what brought us together right like part of the reasons we became friends is because we we could count on each other and as we've grown our through gaming like the people we've invited and, and kind of brought into the fold have been also people that we've partied with and been like oh this person's act they're pretty good they're cool like let's do more stuff with them um you know so so what do you guys think about that that like it's not something i don't think any of us ever like like externalized if that makes sense it's not like we overly said oh this person's a good player i want to be friends with him <clears throat> but like it was more like a subtle thing that kind of tied us together which you wouldn't have i wouldn't have expected until we talked about it that like oh you know like the fact that you guys are good at that game is is kind of why we were friends in the first place yeah, it's kind of interesting, and I, I think right? um, it seems weird. Yeah, it, it's but... it's fun, and it's funny when you say it out loud. But I, I think, yeah, I think you, in my opinion, as I was listening to you talk, I kind of had a realization that, as you mentioned, it wasn't one thing. Like we didn't play with each other once and then say, "Hey, I'm going to be friends because that person's great." It um, was that we can continually, continually count on that individual to accomplish things with you because like you mentioned there wasn't much you could do on your own so you always needed to reach out to one or two or three or sometimes up to five additional people to accomplish something and because the stakes were so high a lot of times it could have been items that you grinded for hours to acquire just to attempt this one fight you wanted to bring the best team possible and in my opinion that always meant bringing you two plus whoever else and i think what ended up just happening over time was because my go-to was always you two plus whomever like we just spent more time together thus so i think skill probably was the catalyst but then friendship evolved from just the time communication jokes laughter achievements even um that we had during all of it so well in addition to ability too i think there's the the competency the competency that comes along with just reliability right like that's a game too where i mean it was it was always uh, it was kind of a an ins a joke of the game, right? Where somebody would level up and it's like, oh, uh, now I gotta go. My stars, I'm, something's come up. See ya, you know. Yeah. And like, like people didn't hang around and they got theirs and they didn't always hang around for everybody yeah. else to get to, to get their their achievements. So um, having people that stuck with you and were around for the long haul and were around consistently and didn't flake out on you all the time, like. That was a valuable. That was a valuable addition. Was just somebody who's like, oh yeah, this person's actually going to hang around and be here for the the three hours we agreed upon, and not 
you know, duck out after 20 minutes. Cause that was a, that was a huge time stink when somebody left the party unexpectedly, you get all the way out there and then you go 20 minutes and then they, they level up and leave and you're like, all right, now we got to find a replacement. And then you're sitting on, sitting around with your thumb up your ass for 40 minutes, trying to get somebody to come in there. Like that was awful. <laughs> like so much wasted time. Yeah. So I, yeah. No, I, I, yeah, no, I mean, no, you didn't cut me off. I agree. I think, um, I think skill definitely played a part. I think that Van hit the nail on the head with the stakes. I think that that's one thing that we'll agree that like 11, especially versus like 14, a big differential was. We've talked about this last podcast, but how 14 was kind of like you wipe, you just start right up, you just try again, you wipe, you start up. With 11, like Van said, you could you could put hours into preparing for one attempt at one fight. And so the stakes were huge. And like, and sometimes it would rely on one person on a certain job hitting the right skill at the right time. And, and like knowing, and I think that's what's different about, especially with like 11 with skill. It wasn't so much like your reaction speed. It was like your focus and your preparation. So like we knew that if like Rido, another friend of the podcast was on black mage, that he was sitting there with his finger ready to hit that stun button and he'd always get it. And like, we could count on him to do it versus like we pulled in a pug, like they might miss that by like a second and like we would wipe and so you yep. know it was just uh <clears throat> it was stuff like that but i think and this is gonna go a little off track because i think that the skill definitely played a huge part but I, to me it was always it was always that you guys cared if that makes sense i think that there's there's there was always especially 11 made a big difference with this because of how time intensive it was and how much like work you had to put into like map knowledge and like knowing where you're going or being prepared with food and all that stuff that like people would take forever to get places like they would take the wrong route or they get lost on a map or they wouldn't bring food or all the stuff but like i feel like the i feel like the friends that we developed a circle was like people always showed up prepared and people always like wouldn't like knew their job or they always you know i don't know like and and I think that that always meant a lot to me. I think over the years, that's something I've always like valued is, and I think I have known that versus like maybe like the skills maybe subconscious. It was like, oh yeah, this person like really like they value other people's time and other people's, you know, um, you know their preparation as well. So yeah. I think that played a big part. When we we see, we saw the other side of that, right? That the people that we reviled online, the people that we were probably hardest on, the ones who have become memes among us. Uh, as I keep referencing fight, weight me as a good example, like, you know, uh, what was that guy's name? Mike uh, joyful, Mike joyful. Right. Who we, we've Imagine joked about for years. On, for a second. Imagine him listening to this podcast. Nobody listens like, to this podcast. No, no, no. I'm not saying what you're going to say. Like, you've what lived a in mind blow that would be for him. Like, <laughs> yeah. what if you were listening to a podcast and a decade later, people bring up your in-game oh, name? Oh, Boss like, Bacon. That guy was just, huge. Just dig. wait for I the wait for the comment on this episode, Fight <laughs> Wait Me. <laughs> yeah. Dude, you know, okay, yeah. so if anybody does listen to this podcast, you know they're going to make it their best attempt to find Mike Joyful. This nice. is going to go on Reddit, and everybody's going to look for Mike Joyful. Nice. Good luck communicating him with him. But that's a whole that's a whole point, right? Like, why has he become a meme among us? Because he was completely unprepared for the fight. He was just some dude who we tried to do something with one time. Mm-hmm. He was completely unaware, unprepared for the fight, took forever, was late, couldn't find his way through the map to where we are, communicated horribly in this weird broken English and was just like became a joke among us that because of the ex- all the things that Shy just hit upon right all the things that we did well and counted on for each other became very obvious and and almost comical when people don't do like what we considered simple things that that a good player does and so because of that you know I think we really kind of formed a an in-group of 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 good players and i think maybe that's a little bit why we were um you know we've talked in the past about how in final fantasy 11 especially we were uh a little bit merciless with with other players right we we kind of took what we what we wanted and you know whether it was a camp or or, or, a, or a mob like i mean it's kind of a survival of the fittest thing and we kind of had a group of very highly skilled players that allowed us to do that and we were a little bit contemptuous of of players who didn't put in the same work you know, would you do that again today? Uh, no, I, I, I don't think so. You know, I, I wouldn't want to. I, I, I like think to think would. that I like I think to think would. that I've grown as a person. So I think um, we would, and the only reason, <laughs> the only reason I think we would is because I feel like it would be like, like it's part of the game, right? The challenge, like you're fighting for this camp, just like we are. It I don't just, know. It kind of yeah. depends. You know, it, it kind of depends. You know, I think there was a difference because I mean we weren't always like that. Like I remember. 
it was, boy, there was a really interesting. It was, it was Z's poll day. That that was just insane. Where Z was jacking all the Calibri from everybody. I was thinking of a different time, and I think this was after oh, okay. you quit, Van. But like there was, there was a time when <clears throat> this you might remember this shy when they had that Shadow Lord fight in the past. Oh yeah, the line. But there were only there were only three instances, and it was like a limited time event. So it was something where like if you it took weeks where if you could take over all of the areas in conquest, then you pushed to the next area. And if you could hold that for a week, you pushed to shadow Lord. And if you did that, you'd have one week, one conquest period where everybody could fight this special boss and get some really good stuff. And so like, you didn't even know how often that would happen. So everybody was bombing that. And they only had three instances, only three parties could be fighting. Wow. In the and so like people were up at the top of castles of all, and there was just a line of parties hundreds, waiting to go hundreds, in oh my hundreds, gosh. hundreds of people. And it was an, such an interesting social experiment because there's nobody there to enforce that line. Right. There's nobody there but you're waiting in line, other dudes would, and they just run up and spam their way in and cut you. And so it became kind of a mat. Like I remember when we first started doing that, we were interested in waiting our turn. Like yeah. we weren't being dicks about it. Like we got in line and waited. But then as soon as it became clear that other people were just cutting us relentlessly, then it became kind of chaos. Cause it's like, well, what am I just going to sit here like a schmuck and just let people keep cutting me and never get a turn? Like, no, of course, like you, you kind of have to. And then people started yelling at us for cutting, but we're like, what are we supposed to do here? Like it was such an, in I, I always remember that as like, like the lawlessness of the internet. What an interesting yeah. situation where there's, there's really no way to enforce, you know, cause there's no PVP in Final Fantasy 11. So like you couldn't like take matters into your own hand. And it really, I don't know. That's probably a different podcast. I'm kind of getting us a, a little bit of field here, but it reminded me of that. Like what a strange um, situation like that was. And I, but I also, it made, what made me think of it is that you asked me that question. And I, I feel like it kind of depends on the context, right? Like, I mean, if the, if the game is set up where it's like, you're encouraged to compete, like, heck yeah. Like I'm obviously a very, very competitive person. Um, anybody will tell you that, but it, you know, if there's, if the, like, I also believe that you can be polite too. Like there's such thing as manners. And if like, there's kind of a agreed upon norm, like, I don't want to be the bull in the china shop that just says, no, I do it my way. Like, I've come at least that far since since our since our FFXI days. <laughs> I would uh, I would also say I think a large part of that would determine, like, on other friends of the podcast to be playing with us. Because I think certain individuals <laughs> might have more of a, might have more of an effect on us being more aggressive or playing more in that style. Maybe. Um, yeah, that, maybe. that's a good point. That's a good point. That's a very good point. So I want to go back to, to skill and yeah. party makeup dynamic or whatnot. Please. There's another point that I want to make that or, or a question that I want to pose to both of you, and I guess it's a loaded question because I already set myself on an answer. Like we talked about how um, skill brought us together we kept we were able to rely and depend on each other and whatnot and then friendship just evolved from that there's also been instances of very well skilled players who not necessarily everybody didn't like to play with but a lot of people didn't like didn't enjoy their company and yet they were invited over and over again so it just it just goes to show like how powerful skill is right like what skill does <laughs> i mean an after podcast discussion about this <laughs> uh, i know exactly what you're talking about i think i have an idea i think i have an idea but it's just an interesting it's an yeah. interesting point right yeah. that, that you will invite people that you don't enjoy being around because they are skilled individuals yeah, yeah. i don't know well i think yeah something is well, worth and, yeah go ahead i think a, a disclaimer we should make just for our audience who doesn't maybe know our gaming history and whatever and and maybe this really gets actually i'm i think i'm bleeding into never mind i'm bleeding into our next topic so never mind you go smiley I'll let me on. go real fast and i'll I just i'll say that you know i think on top of that like you're right we definitely put up with people who were skilled who maybe we didn't like as much personally i think the inverse was also true too though like there was a lot of times especially i think about final fantasy 14 being the case but a little bit in 11 i don't think you got super into the end game with 11 but it happened more i think for shy and i when we were doing like a busy and stuff that like we definitely put up with people because we needed the body or we needed the job like i can think of a couple healer jobs that we brought to to like raid um in in 14 to bahamut's coil who 
clearly most of us did not really like, but we didn't have anybody in that role. We needed an eighth person. We needed a healer. They weren't like their skill. Part of, I think the reason we didn't like them is because their skill wasn't maybe that great in a lot of cases, but like we didn't have a better option. And so the game kind of forced us to, to like, you know, are we going to wait around for the perfect person and not play, or are we going to take what we can get? So it's kind of interesting how, you know, the other side of it is how skill makes you feel about, you know, a lack of skill perhaps makes you feel about people and uh, how you treat them and how hard it can be for them to break into then that circle of friends. If they don't kind of live up to a certain level of, of competency. Yeah. Um, but uh, go ahead. So shy, if you want to kind of transition. Yeah, us, I think I was going to segue us kind of, because right. what I was going to say, and I think I, what I need to clear, I need, this is like a double disclaimer. So <laughs> this is, I, I do believe I think next on our outline, we're going to talk about perce- like perceptions of skill in ourselves and others. And I think, um, and I think maybe that's also game based. And I think we might get into some more practical examples, but like that very much depends on the game in my opinion. And so like, oh, yeah. I do think that in 11, we were up that like up there in skill and just like, and I think cause in 11, it wasn't once again, so much reaction speed or whatever. It was like game knowledge and like, um, just proficiency and like, you know, um, and, 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 and time like sp- and time spent like, and we were all dedicated. Like we worked on yeah. getting our gear and our merit points and all that stuff. Now you go to a game like 14 where like the game is a, like, it removed a lot of that. It removed a lot of the time spent and whatever. Well, I mean, not to a certain extent, like there was like a, it was like a curve of like, you could, if you weren't skilled, you had to spend a lot of time, but if you were extremely skilled, you didn't have to spend as much time. And I think that's where like the raiding scene was so interesting was you had the best groups like clearing these raids and like, weeks like right the they release a new yeah. ra- or days days or weeks and then yeah. we'd be in a prog group we'd form a little static and we're like you know weeks if not a month in like you know getting to the point of clearing or close to clearing and so like i just wanted to make sure like i was about to like make a disclaimer to the audience being like hey we're you know we're not saying we're like even the most skilled players in a lot of the games we play and i think but then that made me realize it ba- it's based on the game and um and then that comes down to self-perception like i think like i I, I, especially with 14, I don't see myself as an extremely skilled player since I, I'm still playing it. You know, like there are people out there in 14 who are just ridiculous. And I, I'm, I'm just happy to be in like a whatever percentile of that game. But um, yeah, that was kind of my segue, I guess. Yeah, well, it's interesting. I think that's a great thing because, I mean, for a long time before the age of multiplayer, like your, where you felt you ranked on skill at video games was was kind of hard to tell you know like especially if you didn't have a ton of friends that played video games like i think and i'll be interested to hear what van thinks about this because i know you actually had people you played video games with as a child whereas i didn't really like i had like one friend who was a little bit into games but like you know i grew up in a small town i there's only a couple guys who lived near me when i was a kid who were my close friends and they just weren't that into games that much the way i was and so like i didn't like my skill was kind of measured by how far I could do in games, but like, I never really knew like that much. Like, am I really good at Mario brothers or am I like, I mean, I've beaten it. Like, you know, like you didn't have the same people to compare against. Like you do now with the internet, like, like to Vance point earlier, you can go out and see some really crazy stuff on all these games, people doing ridiculous stuff. But when you, when I was a kid, it was like either I knew somebody who was better than me or worse than me, maybe at, for me to compare. But otherwise, I just kind of had to get a feel for it. Like, what was your experience, Van? Like, were, do you feel like, based on the people you played with, that you guys, that your friends, you were you all kind of the same skill level? Or did you feel like, oh, man, like, I'm really not good at this game because my friend kicks major ass or maybe the opposite? Like, yeah, I'd say it, this actually supports um, Shy's comment that it really depends on the genre. Yeah, because oh, I would sure. say up until FPS, I was not the best at my group in anything. So whether it was fighter or side-scrolling platform or anything like that, um, I was very humbled by how good they were. And I was able to define their goodness by, you know, again, the finesse at which they complete a level, right? They're not dying off and they are able to complete the level in the first place and stuff like that where I wouldn't. And then of course the street fighters and the arcades and whatnot, like Smart my brother was just yeah. amazing. And I knew he was amazing. And, and like some of my, my most fondest memories of, uh, of video games in general, was being at the bowling alley on Saturday morning, and my brother being at the at the um, what's it called uh, place or at the uh, Street Fighter um, arcade game with a line of people wanting to play with him, and all the quarters oh, lined damn. up 
all the quarters lined up on he the He was the champ. And it was, yeah, he was the one against. who everybody wow. always wanted to go up against. It was so cool. So um, it was, I mean, it was clear. And he's still, he's still that good today. Like, it is clear how good he is at these fighting games. Like, he will, he will purposely not play his best trio, depending on what version or whatnot. In any of the fighting games, he won't play his best character because, like, literally there's no challenge at all <laughs> like to anybody any of my not to you of course i haven't had to play against you guys but within our circle um and that expands to maybe even like eight people we used to consistently play with um he was just like just by far better than even the next best person so i was always humbled in fighting games with him and then i'd be able to hold my own against the rest of the people so i knew i wasn't good at fighting games i was okay um so yeah there was certainly a measure there uh, i never felt good at anything until fps came along and it really shown in Counter-Strike when I used to spend all my time in internet cafes because my computer wasn't good enough, internet wasn't good enough, that a commercial broadband internet was the fastest thing you can get at the time. So we would spend our $1.25 an hour to use somebody else's computer in an internet cafe and, and play Counter-Strike with other people. Um, that's when I noticed that, hey, I'm, I'm getting a pretty good KD ratio, right, kill-death ratio. And the team that I'm on, again, communicating and whatnot, we're winning pretty frequently. And... And then that's really where I felt like my skill shone, shunned, shined. And um, still to, to this day, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty proficient in FPS. But take that genre away, I would consider myself just an average player. And it was very humbling seeing the other people I used to grow up with playing video games. So, What about you, Shy? Yeah, I mean, we moved around. I think I'm in a similar situation to you, Smiley, maybe a little bit different. But, like, we moved around so much growing up that we didn't have, like, I didn't have a lot of, like, childhood friends because we were just, like, moving around the country, like, and whatnot. But I think it was when I went to college and I met my college roommate in front of the podcast, Rido, um, who was already mentioned once, that I kind of, like, and also, like, was living on a dorm with a bunch of other guys who gamed that I kind of got a sense for my skill. And what was odd is... Early on, I thought I was actually pretty good at games. And, and really, honestly, the game that, that stood out to me was Warcraft 3 at the time. I'd played a ton of Warcraft 3 in high school, just like single player. Like, I had a lot of friends, but I would just play single player against the against the computer and whatnot. And, like, I got there and you could play LAN. And some of the other guys said Warcraft 3. And, like, the guys on the hall, like, I would just destroy them to one point where, like, <laughs> nice. like me and three other guys were playing. And they all formed a secret alliance to, like, attack my base <laughs> all together. Even, like, we were playing two ver- like 2v2. But the my ally, like... I think he what? like switched teams mid game, so it was all three oh of them God. versus me, and I was so I was so pissed. I couldn't take a joke. I was it was I regret my reaction to it, but uh, um, but man, Rido is someone who I do feel is better at pretty much any game than I, and that and that came out pretty early on, and like it really frustrated me. I think when we would play. P, like any kind of competitive game because I just didn't feel like I stood a chance and and it really like I came to the point where I didn't want to play competitive games against him because it was just it was just frustrating it was like I, I just knew I was going to lose why even try and I think that's what was really cool about 11 and why I really got into it and it really kept, helped kind of sustain our friendship was like it was a game we played together and I knew yeah, he was good and it was something I could do well at and so like together like we could really power through that game and we did play just the two of us for like a year before we met you guys and really kind of joined a larger group um, yeah one of the games that like I didn't really ever think about there being a uh, not games genres I didn't really think about there being that much of a differentiation in skill was RPGs you know I kind of feel like yeah like there's people who are crazy who do like low level challenges and stuff but like it wasn't until I had a number of different people like like I had like five or six different people who test out my Rainwalkers RPG and do some play testing for me. And of course I watched them very carefully and I knew, obviously I knew everything there was to know about that game because I crafted it uh, myself and like how, what a difference there is in people in how they approach an RPG and like how some people are so thorough and meticulous and found every treasure, every secret bit of dialogue, every little thing I put in there versus other people who would just like, completely just like blitz past stuff and be like well they're okay they're not even gonna not even gonna check that pot to see if anything's in all right like i'm not gonna talk to that guy uh, he's got a quest for you that's all right don't don't worry about it like you know like I, I never realized that there was there actually is a skill level in an rpg as far as like how complete you go through it and how you how much stuff you find and that was very eye-opening i mean that was only a couple of years ago that i did that so i mean i was into my 30s before i really ever thought that you there was a real differentiation other than like really you know people like who are like pushing themselves to you know beat rpgs without winning fights and stuff like that low level challenges can i like bring up can i return back to the beginning of our conversation when we were talking about general skill and bring up a couple new categories 
hoping you would say that smiling. I don't want to go back. Nice. This podcast moves only forward, only ever moves nice. forward the path of the warrior. No, well, go I ahead, think two course. things that we didn't discuss that, that are worth considering as far as skill in games as well. One you just brought up, and I think it's not even just like not so much like you mentioned it as almost like completion, like completing an RPG, but I think you'd have to even like talk about like self motivation versus like people who would just pick up a strategy guide and just follow the strategy guide to like play through an RPG mm-hmm. versus someone who's like, I'm gonna go into this RPG and like I'm gonna try to discover everything myself. Like I don't know if that's a skill, maybe that's a whole different mindset. Um, but the one thing I, I wanted to talk about, we didn't get to, Van made a comment in the very beginning. We were talking about skill. You mentioned like uh, cheese guns and like FPSs. And I think something that's worth talking about is like skill ceilings in games and how like a lot of times, especially this, you see this with like MMOs, like classes in MMOs almost always have a ranking, a difficulty ranking. And it's almost like easier classes have like a, a higher skill base. So like they're easier to do well at, but if you master them, maybe they don't, they can't do as well. But then, like you, as you get play more difficult classes, like if you're not good, <laughs> you won't do as good as like the easier classes. But if you're really good, you'll do much, you'll do better. And just like I think you, I mean the same thing with like guns. I think in FPSs or maybe even like you know, there's I think a lot of core correlations. To that I don't know if you guys have any thoughts about that. Just like the effect of skill ceilings in games or, or how you've how you've seen that play out. Go ahead, man. No, go, go ahead. Smiling, take it away. Uh, I mean, I just think I think that. For sure, like that's that's how these games are designed, right? Like, I mean, a, a good game, a well-designed game, a well-balanced game. People always talk, especially in PvP, about balance, balance between classes, balance between characters, things like that. Like, that's that's what you strive for, right? Like, the goal in my mind is that if the easier it is to pick up and and kind of be proficient at, like the lower of a ceiling you want that to have. You want to reward people who can do something exceptional with a character who can really take the time and have the skill to really play something that's more difficult or maybe takes a little extra thought or attention to really get the most out of. And then like, but like you want to be rewarded for that. Like, like that's kind of where the, this idea of cheese guns comes from, right? Like if you, if the, if the best weapon is also the easiest to use and the most mindless. That's what that's the definition of a cheese weapon, right? Like because you say it takes no skill to get the the ultimate result. And that that's considered bad game design, right? Like you want people to feel rewarded to say I'm doing something that most people can't and I'm getting a benefit out of that. I'm getting I'm doing better than somebody who is doing something easier. They can't reach as high as me because they haven't put in the same level of work or effort or whatever. So, uh, 100% think that's all about good game design and yeah Van. yeah i don't have anything to add. i think you, i think you both yeah. nailed it on the head and i know I, I brought it up in the beginning so yep is there any so we talked a little bit i want to get a little bit more into like personal experiences and stuff and so like are there any times like in you know van kind of already shared one with his brother like seeing his brother you know in the arcade facing challengers where that's kind of a a time when you kind of have measured yourself like, um, is there any other times where you think, where you like, like feel like maybe like, feel like you leveled up where like, was there a game you played that you felt like I can go back and point to this game that made me better at this genre or something like for me to give an example, the one I think of is lunar, the silver star story, which I mentioned earlier in the pod, oddly enough, um, that was a game that, uh, I feel like working designs, who was the developer, the, the localizer of that game did such a great job with the character um, dialogue where up to that point in RPGs, I kind of didn't really talk to NPCs like ever, unless I had to for a quest progression or something like for just coming from old school RPGs. Like for the most part, they didn't say anything that you really cared about that you couldn't just figure out by playing the game. But in Lunar, like the, the characters were just so interesting and everything like like that's one of the things I love about the game is like every single NPC is worth talking to because it develops your characters and like your characters interact with them and they interact with each other. And it just makes for a very, and like the dialogue's very funny. And so it changed the way I played RPGs. It's, it's why I think I became much more detailed and I checked everything and I talked to everybody and I went everywhere because that game made me want to. And then, like, I realized the benefits of that, where then you, oh, then you get items from dudes who give you stuff, and they, you find out information that maybe you would have missed. So that's, like, a game I think of when I think of, like, what made me better at RPGs, what made put me in a position to be able to design ones that I think are good. Uh, like, I always think back to Lunar and how that game just made it so much fun 
to talk. You just wanted to get to a new town. It's the first game I ever played where I was more excited to get to a town than a dungeon because I was more excited to talk to the people than to actually fight, which was com- completely re- reversed going back to every other RPG I'd ever played. So, Yeah, I, I, get, yeah I have an experience, and it goes back to FPS. And again, um, like I said, I, 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 I would confidently say I'm better than the average, but I wouldn't say I'm the best in the world or, or even top 90 percentile. Um, but what was the kicker was transitioning from controllers to mouse keyboard. So it was the peripheral oh. transition. Okay. So in the beginning, when we were playing like Call of Duty on on you know like uh, shit or even uh, Goldeneye or whatnot, Goldeneye. yeah, it was N64. a PlayStation. Yeah, Goldeneye would have been N sixty four. I think called the first yeah, Call N64. of Duty was PlayStation. I think Call of Duty was PlayStation also because I remember using the PlayStation controllers. Yeah. So when I'm on that, um, I, like I was okay. I don't want to even say good to be honest. Like it was, and and even to this day, like I played Destiny with Destiny. you a lot. Yeah. I I still hated playing on controllers so much that i went out and bought that zim 4 which allowed <laughs> me to use the mouse and keyboard on on just because i know like i knew what i could do with a mouse and keyboard and what i wasn't doing because i had controllers in my hand and yet i know there's still a lot of people who prefer controllers over mouse and keyboard but yet i feel like mouse and keyboard is the like it, it's the cheese gun of fps's in my opinion it gives <laughs> you an edge Secret and your weapon don't <laughs> yeah and yet a lot of people prefer controllers i don't know anyways it's a big ramble but yeah so that was my that was my moment was when it was counter-strike came out i'm playing in internet cafes now i'm on, on mouse and keyboard as opposed to controllers in my hand and it certainly just felt so much more comfortable a world of a difference instantly i don't know that i have a story about like on unlo- like leveling up or unlocking i think that the, my story would be once again going back to number one game of all time ninja gaiden that's the one game. That's the first game I ever yeah. played that I think I played on on more than normal. I think when I'd played games leading up to that, there were difficulties. I always played. I may have played on easy just because I was more interested in story before before that game. And then maybe, maybe normal. I don't know. But like that game, it was so interesting because I enjoyed that game so much. And I think and it wasn't even just because of the difficulty. It was just it felt so good. And it also was just gorgeous for the time. And I, I love you know graphics. But like it was so weird seeing other people have a hard time with the game because the game just felt natural to me. And so then, like, I started playing on hard, and I think I beat the game on hard, and then I started playing on very hard, and I didn't get very hard very far on very hard. But, like, that game was hard. Um, but, like, that game was kind of like a switch in my mindset as far as difficulty. I do have a Street Fighter, a Van Street Fighter story I want to share, though. Um, and and a, 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 I think a, a story that we'll all, we were all there for, actually. But I did want – I wanted to make sure I fit this in this episode. And just watching someone else who I feel like has mastered a game just, like, show their skill. And I think I wanted to call out a friend of the podcast Reichi and a game we all played together Terra which one and uh and watching <laughs> like talking about skill caps in a game Reichi right off the bat chose the hardest class to play in that game which was warrior and it was supposed to be a damage dealer and a tank but it just required such in like infinitesimal knowledge of like the game mechanics and 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 patterns and I, I remember specifically us doing like a hard mode dungeon at end game all of us were like pushing our limits and i and if i remember correctly we wiped on a boss and he basically soloed oh, i think I like the last 10 that. to 20 percent of this boss yeah. um, high, dude, we right? all we're all just lying dead on the ground dude, like there's no yeah. way he should have been able to finish this thing but he did and no it was just way. like it was like in that moment i already knew he was good i already knew he was way better than i was but it was like i'm glad we're playing with him because like i mean this guy like he was just i don't know someone i completely respect someone i know is better at games than i am but like that was just like that example of like watching someone like play at their full potential yeah. and just dude i'll i'll tack on to that because i so i started that game i believe i started on slayer but i also was dinking around on warrior and when i watched him solo some bams on warrior I would like it inspired me to p- pick up that class. I was like, I that is so I amazing. I yeah. want to do that. I couldn't do it. I couldn't <laughs> do it the way he did it. Like, I like I mean I I was passable and like it was awesome. But like he had that job down so well, and it was a perfect example of a class that like you know like that like that game as we talked about like if you wanted to tank. You could tank sufficiently on like what was it, Lancer? I think with the big arm. Oh was yeah, the big just to, that's where you just absorb damage. Yeah, it was where like you a paladin absorb style the class, damage, yeah. and, and like you could do that, and it, it really wasn't that hard. You could be passable, but if you really wanted to to push the limits of what was possible, you could be a warrior, and you could basically tank anything in the game, as he proved in that fight, where he basically tanked a, like a super boss, and like it's 
he made it look so easy. Yeah. And like, I remember like, just like thinking, like, I remember how excited I was the, when I decided to, to take war and I was just like kind of dreaming about like, I'm going to get so good at this and I'm going to play so hard. I'm going to get so, and I'm going to be like the PVP God out here. Like no one's going to be able to touch me. And I'm, I'm like, I'm just going to be like, cause we, you know, we remember we came from black desert a little bit and some other games where we, we where we kind of got chased a little bit in PVP. Like, even in Terra itself, there were times, like, I remember we did some Vanarchy stuff where, like, in PvP zones, where, like, we we kind of weren't the best PvP group. We kind of got terrorized a little I bit. I suck at PvP. And I, am, I am absolutely terrible. Me too. Me too. We, all, we always, we never really had that killer instinct, and we kind of got yeah. bullied a little bit from time to yeah. time. And I remember thinking, like, oh, man, I'm going to be the freaking enforcer. Like, no one's going to be able to touch me. <laughs> and, like, I tried, and I wasn't able to, like, put that into action ever like on like like i was at best i was like 60 percent of what ray could do like that cat was ridiculous yeah yeah so yeah, great exactly. that's a great anecdote that's a great story and a great a great boy is there a game that ray plays that he's not a wizard that's what at? he said that like guy. i'm gonna talk about a, an amazing thing that ray did and i'm like yeah, okay like what which game? one yeah i like that answer <laughs> yeah. i like that answer ray, ray was it's amazing that ray put up with us like we talked about how skill makes friendships and yeah. lack of skill <laughs> is the basis for ostracization it's amazing that he stayed with us and kept playing we were the like, five he put was... up with all the time and like he's like well, yeah. i can't do stuff without him i guess so <laughs> Yeah, like imagine Ray in a party with five other Rays. No. Like that oh, would that would have been something else. Well, I mean, those are the kind of people that Shy was talking about who knocking on raids in a week or a day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I mean, the best of the best. And I think that's that's the thing about us. Like I mean, uh, if it hasn't been clear to anybody listening, like I think obviously varies very much from mm-hmm. from uh, from game to game. But I think in the MMORPG mm-hmm. realm, which is where we have spent the most time together, yeah. I think we're probably like. 70 to 90 range percentile right like we're not the tip top for pve yeah Yeah. we're we're not the tip top content pushing but we're we're right we're a step behind you know we're not the best but we're we hold ourselves to a high standard and we play pretty well i think that's how we see ourselves and i think it's fairly accurate yeah for the most part probably varies from game to game but yeah we're probably higher in 11 probably not quite as high in some of the other games we've played since just because we haven't had we didn't put the time and and you know we didn't put ten years of our life into into some of these other games like we did eleven. So yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, you know, one of the other things I want to talk about um, to shift gears to MMO first person shooters is Planet Side, hmm. because you know we all played Planet Side together, and that was an interesting game because it like it felt like you were you really were such a small part of a larger front that your own personal skill didn't come into it as much as your coordination and kind of, you could kind of achieve more as a group of less skilled players than maybe in other first person shooters. So did you guys have anything you want to talk about with planet side memories of that? Or I think, I think as you mentioned, just strength and numbers in that, in that game, that it was the unit that made it powerful and not the individual. So now instead of taking an individual in like a 20 V 20, we're talking hundred V hundred or something like that. Like your percentage of weight is much less reduced. However, when you're in a group of other individuals, then you make up that difference again. So I think really that game was heavily regulated by your coordination within platoons. And you can have up to what, 30 people in a in a I single so. unit or something like yeah, that? It was, yeah, it was, it was out of control. Yeah, I think uh, I would agree. I think that the nature of the game took, I mean, I enjoyed Planet Side 2. That's one of my favorite first-person shooters because I didn't Love feel it. like my lack of skill in the first-person shooter genre hindered anyone. Like it was more of like our coordination, our our working together was where we got we got stuff done. I agree, and that's I think why I probably have played that FPS with you guys more than any other is because I'm, uh, you know, I'm commensurately bad as as you know. Van is a step above in FPSs. I'm probably a step below. Um, I'm very <laughs> I, I can be streaky. I can get on a hot streak. But it doesn't happen that often. I'm consistent. Yeah, I love playing with you because you get so excited when you get a kill. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you don't get that many. You got to save for them, you know. Um, but yeah, like I think in Planetside too, like yeah, it, it it wasn't as frustrating for that reason. My lack of skill was kind of offset, and so I felt like I could contribute more. 
you know, and not be weighing. The yeah, or you could be down. like like Sheen. She <laughs> barely had her rifle out. She was always running around with a machine gun Medic or laying landmines. Tank mines. Or, I mean, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah line. She was always laying landmines. I remember we'd roll onto someplace twenty minutes later. All of a sudden, boom, oh yeah, you would see. You and I'd be running maxes on a tower, and she'd be like, "I'll be back. I'm gonna drop some mines and get oh, two more kills. I'll be back. Uh, back to repair you guys." Yeah, yeah. a maniac. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Anything else you want to contribute to this conversation before we uh, before we let the kind people know how they can give us their feedback? I'm just amazed we were able to fill an hour. As always, as you always are, you're always surprised. I'm not gonna lie. I feel like we could do another podcast about some, like even just stories. <laughs> like honestly, just like multiplayer yeah. stories from games. There's just like a bunch of stories I want to talk about. <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah. yeah well, maybe maybe we'll have a story time episode. That'll, there you go. It'd be good to forewarn people about that. that yeah. There's just going to be senseless ramblings of things that you didn't <laughs> inside baseball. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be a normal episode, guys. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just like every other episode. So, but at least we'll own it in that, yeah. in that light. So. All right. Well, uh, you know, if you have any rambling stories you'd like to tell us about your experiences uh, with difficulty, with multiplayer, with skill anything related we'd love to hear about that uh you can get a hold of us uh, in the normal ways on twitter focus at focus target on youtube the focus Tar- focus target podcast is our youtube page and all of our previous episodes are up there uh, some of the streams we've done are up there so check that out if you're interested we can be uh contacted by email focus target podcast at gmail.com is the best way to get a hold of us and of course we are streaming this live on twitch twitch.tv backslash focus target podcast um and we also like i said we we haven't been streaming as much lately i know shy did you ever get any streaming in you said you were gonna do a little streaming on uh on war of the vision not yet yeah no yeah not yet. That's still maybe in the works. Yeah. The people are waiting, bro. You got it. The thing with War of Visions, you know this. There's weekly stuff, so it's like Wednesdays or Thursdays are like the time oh, to do streams. Yeah. So like tomorrow, maybe tomorrow morning, I might stream a little bit. I don't know, but like there you go. That's those are the opportunities. All right. So yeah. So but check us out on on Twitch. Check us out on on YouTube. And of course, we would love to hear from you if you if you want to send us an email or a tweet. So episode eighty-seven, Focus Target Podcast. We're climbing towards hundred. Thanks for being with us here today. We had, I hope you had a good time with us. I am your host, Smiley. This is Shy. And I'm Van. As always, cover us, Porkins. We're out. <laughs>